Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody. I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy, and we're doing things a little bit differently this Sunday. A little bit different, that's true. We sound a little different. So we have officially moved into the second location of Trashy Divorces. We're in the middle of two homes at the moment. Mm-hmm. And as you can probably hear, we have not completed our sound treatment of the room we will be recording from. So that is why we have opted to change up our order a little bit. We're reversing things a bit this week. You're getting your Wednesday Trashy Royals episode today. Recorded in a sound-treated room. Yeah, recorded back from July in 2020 from Patreon. Mm -hmm. It's the story of Lady Jane Grey. The Nine Days Queen. That's it. Not executed by Henry VIII. Executed by his daughter, Mary I. It's extra long. It's super trashy. Family values. But for the holiday weekend, we thought that might be great. A little bit of a longer episode. We're going to be coming back on Wednesday of this week where you'd normally have Trashy Royals with a regular old Trashy Divorces Sunday episode. Which we will be recording in this room once it's fully sound treated. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot going on, y'all. There's a lot. We care about our audio and so... You know, if this intro sounds a little weird, don't worry. The episode will sound quite normal. That's for sure. And hopefully Wednesday's episode, which will be, again, your normal two stories of trashy divorces, will also sound good. In that episode, we'll go through our magic mirror and all of our new patrons who we're so grateful for. Absolutely. I do have one shout out to give. We really do. So in between moving from home to home, we had no air conditioning. I apparently made the ghost of Henry VIII very upset. Yes, the house had feelings about our leaving, and so it stopped giving us cold air just as the heat really set in here in Georgia. But we have to give. We do. A huge shout out. The goats. Mm-hmm. The greatest of all time. Shout outs to our air conditioning angels, Christian and Daniel. Yep, they put in long hours in our very hot attic. I mean, our house was like 85 degrees, but the attic was probably... 15, 20 degrees hotter than that, at least. So if y'all are listening, here's your amazing shout out. You were with us for so much of last week. We miss you. We're, we don't even know what to do without yes. you. We often wonder what what are Christian and Daniel up to today? Probably sweating in someone else's <laughs> attic. And we're, we feel so bad for you, but thank Bless you so much. You really are air conditioning angels. Mm-hmm. The remainder of shout outs, Patreon, all the regular catch up will be coming for you. On Wednesday's episode, yeah, with two regular trashy divorces, thank you for understanding and bearing with us today as we are doing the best we can and oh, working it out. So scattered all over the place. Um, U.S. listeners, have a lovely holiday weekend. We appreciate you. Non-U.S. listeners, have a lovely weekend. We appreciate you too. Although I guess if you're in Australia, our episode drops Monday. So have a great work week, <laughs> friends in Oz and Kiwis. <laughs> Everybody everywhere, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We're excited that you're here. We hope mm-hmm. you enjoy this voyage through nine days in 1553 where it all is trashy. I think there's only one thing we got to do now. Got to go, go, go. It's Tudor Wednesday with Lady Jane Grey. Look at you. That was awesome. Thanks. Hey, Alicia, you're super excited about this one. Oh, God, I'm so excited. It's Trashier Tutors, friends. Welcome, you welcome. You have been heads down with the story for days and days. So. I've been living in 1553 Good for year. days. Good year. Not really. <laughs> Not really at all. Okay.
I moved all the Tudor hot drops into tidbits yesterday. Because today, I just, like, why do you write like you're running out of time? I just kept writing. Today is a double-length story. So if you are a listener who cleans while you listen, find something super dirty to clean. If you drink while you listen, pour yourself a double. I'm just giving you a heads up. This is, oh, gosh, so good. I've been waiting for this day for so long. Today, we are talking about the not very long-lived Queen of England, Lady Jane Grey. This week, today, actually, marks the 467th anniversary of the first day of her reign. And next week marks the last? Yep. (laughs) Two days ago uh, was the death of Eddie VI in... Nine days from now, it'll be the ascension of Princess Mary to Queen Mary. This is a pretty exciting two weeks in England. Again, 1553. Some of this story for my hardcore Tudor people is already going to be familiar. We have met so many of these characters in our trashy Tudor spiderweb already. But today, it's getting super trashy. If you want to listen to some other threads of this, there are two good episodes to go back to in particular One from May 19th, 2019, the Robert Dudley and Amy Robesart episode gives some context, a little bit of the history of the Dudleys. If you have listened to that, you're right on time for today. If you haven't, you really should, but it'll give you more information on the Dudleys. Also, there is a Trashy Tudor Bits from July 30th, 2019 about the Seymour family. We've heard about Edward Seymour before as well, the Earl of Hartford You've hurtforded my feelings, dude. Also, <laughs> pronunciation. I listened back to these to make sure that my threads in this story connected. And oh, baby, I have some real classic pronunciations just in these two episodes. And I know most of them now. Erudite, Norfolk, Warwickshire. Y'all, I'm so sorry. Thank you for sticking with me. My New Year's goal was to get pronunciations more right I hope that you can see my progress as we learn English together this year. Although Poe body's nerfect. So let's get into it. Time for some trashier tutors. This episode is going to get you through your pub quiz night on 16th century England, friends. I got you. Before we can get to 1553, let us take account of how we get to this point. We're going to get in our tutor TARDIS. Do you want to woo? It makes you feel better when you like a ghost. That's sexy TARDIS. No, (laughs) sexy ghoul TARDIS. Okay, we're gonna take our TARDIS back. Whoosh, whoosh to 1547. Henry VIII is dead. The king is dead. Long live the king. So, who is in the device for Henry's succession? It's pretty clear. The throne goes to Edward, Henry's son, with Jane Seymour. Mary, Princess Mary, and Lady Elizabeth are still considered bastards, but they are mentioned in the will that Henry lays out after Edward. So the 10-year-old Prince Edward becomes Fast Eddie the Sixth now, okay? And he has a few powerful players because he's a kid, Behind him running the show. There are a lot of players at court who want in on this action. Nobody, no one, 
worries about Mary or Elizabeth. Because I'm not sure if you've noticed, Mary and Elizabeth are girls. Interesting. And Eddie's super young. Like, we have so many years to grift in this administration before he comes of age. Let's get it on. Right. So it goes like it does. And I want to talk about three of the power players in Eddie's court. His two uncles, Edward and Thomas Seymour, and John Dudley, the Duke of... Earl? <laughs> Daddy Dudley. John Dudley, the Duke of Northumberland. <laughs> Daddy Dudley. We've heard all about these dudes, but this time we're digging into it. Not sure if you've heard about the Tudor court and the... Uh, <laughs> Players in the Tudor court, but they are not inclined to share power. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought that would be the case. Yeah, it's not a given. The extreme all Tudors don't matter. Generous. It turns out, yeah. Uh, Henry seven and eight. Yeah. And how they didn't go around killing all their enemies. So <laughs> locking them in the tower. Boy, King Eddie, mm-hmm. his mother. Dead mother is Jane Seymour. She has two brothers, Edward and Thomas. Edward Seymour is the older brother. He is more powerful than Thomas, who is a fucking schemer. Okay. Remember, Thomas Seymour quickly married the widow of Henry VIII, Catherine Parr. Okay. But it wasn't happy for her, right? She thought it would be, but it was not. Is that... Well, they set up house. Okay. Catherine Parr gets pregnant. Thomas dallies a little bit with uh, Lady Elizabeth Mm. and tries to line Lady Elizabeth up next in his schemes, only to have a pregnant Catherine Parr get really mad and banish Elizabeth. Catherine Parr will deliver a girl child and die six days after childbirth. Right. So not as happy of an ending for her. Not really happy. So this is 1548. Meanwhile, AOC is up at Richmond. Getting down. Brewing beer and having fun. Down, yeah. Raising honeybees. Okay, so Thomas and Catherine Parr, I need you to know, there are other kids at the house, too, while all this is happening. One in particular is a ward of the court, uh, technically, but not. She's got parents. It's not like she's an orphan, but this is Lady Jane Grey. Catherine Parr is in charge of a rigorous Protestant education for the children of court. She's the first woman to publish a book in her own name. Like Catherine, and it's all religious texts. Like Catherine Parr, where people are like, oh, Anne Boleyn is the first Protestant queen. No, it's Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr has all these kids at the court getting educated together at different times because she's hiring the best learned scholars in Europe. Lady Jane Grey is Edward's cousin. Lady Jane Grey is in the line of royal secession, but she is also a child. She's the same age as Edward. She is a girl and way far down in the secession. And Catherine Parr, honestly, just wants to love little Lady Jane because Jane has not had a lot of love in her childhood. Her parents are kind of crap. They're royal, but they're crap. So hold on to that. Yeah, I don't feel like the... Royal and crap are mutually exclusive. No, her parents are bad. So while Catherine Parr is still alive, Catherine is all about loving Jane and developing Jane's natural gifts and ability. Jane is a fucking scholar. Jane, Scorpio girl, born at the end of October 1537, 
named after Jane Seymour. She loves to write. She knows Latin and Greek and French and Italian, and she is maybe even smarter than the smart cookie of her other cousin, Elizabeth, who's a little older than Jane. Jane's like 10, 11. She's wee, but she's smart. She's smart as fuck. And Thomas Seymour, always scheming, goes to the parents of Jane. Like, hey, I have this great idea. Jane can come and live with me and Catherine Parr. And I don't know if you know this, but the king, my nephew, and Jane are like the same age. And they're super like-minded. They're both heavily Protestant. They're both super smart. How about Jane comes to live with me? Okay, us, meaning he and Catherine Parr. We'll take care of her. I may molest her in the meantime, but I'm going to go ahead and arrange a marriage with Fast Eddie the Six, you know, the king and my nephew, to Lady Jane. And Jane's parents are like, great, go Jane, go. But then Catherine Parr dies. And Thomas Seymour somehow still retains Jane in this mix, which is super creeps. Elizabeth has already been sent off because... Thomas Seymour likes him young. Like, Thomas is trying to convince Eddie the Six that he is the better uncle than his brother Edward, which ends up in a thwarted kidnapping plot of the king where Thomas tries to kidnap his nephew and it goes bad and Thomas ends up shooting his dog. Yeah, don't shoot the king's dog. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everybody. We don't like that story element well thomas seymour is gonna get slung up in the tower and he's dead by 1549 that serves you right you dog killer kind of elizabeth who narrowly avoids death at this time and again in a few years and again in a few years says about thomas seymour that he was a man of much wit and very little brain Hmm. or something like that it's a good quote all right so edward seymour is like thomas God, why the fuck are you like this? So Edward Seymour is like the hero of the common people. The people like Eddie Seymour, which naturally means that the Privy Council and the other power players are going to go after him. Because also the king loves his uncle Edward the most. Like, he's my uncle Eddie. Like, I'm named after him. I, I love him. He's my favorite. He doesn't shoot my dogs. So. (laughs) My dogs feel very safe with him. So I'm going to bring back in Daddy Dudley. Oh, God, John Dudley. The Duke of Northumberland, Daddy Dudley. He's a soldier. He's a politician. He was a principal advisor to Henry VIII. Northumberland, Daddy Dudley, got a lot of Catholic property with the dissolution of the monasteries. He was a fervent supporter of Anne Boleyn. He is a lockstep Protestant. He was Henry VIII's Lord Admiral. He's now the head of the Privy Council. Like, stick around and you'll suddenly see more. He's had some success. 1549. It's a big year in England. There is a rebellion in East Anglia. I'm telling you all of this because it all comes into the nine days. This is like, this is next level deep dive. There's a rebellion in East Anglia and it does not go great for the Catholics. The quash to put down the rebellion is led by everybody's favorite son of a son of a traitor, John Dudley, Northumberland. Okay, you have to remember, John Dudley is not noble. 
His wealthy father was slung up for treason in 1510, and Daddy Dudley has worked his tail off for 40 fucking years to redeem his family name, to gain back his honor, his titles, his lands. Daddy Dudley also has 13 kids. John Dudley, son, right-hand man, but two more of these you're going to need to know about. We have Robert Dudley, pony boy, and Guilford. Okay? It's a first name? Guilford, yeah. Okay. Blaine from Pretty in Pink. I hate this kid. <laughs> okay. 1549. Catholics rebel. Dudley sent to put down the rebellion in East Anglia, and Dudley lays fucking waste to East Anglia. So many people are dead and executed, and Dudley is not looked upon kindly in this area because, dude, you killed everyone we know. You killed Grandpa. You killed our uncles. You killed our brothers. Like, it is thousands die in this. Dudley is not the hero of the people like Eddie Seymour is. Okay. But Dudley quashes the rebellion. He's a brilliant soldier making his moves on the Privy Council, Dudley's behind the ousting of Thomas Seymour. And now it's time for Dudley to make his play onto Eddie Seymour. And by 1550, Eddie Seymour is slung up for the first time because he's Lord Protector. You have to get him out of the way if you want any kind of power. Edward Seymour manages to wriggle out of it in 1550, but he will be slung up again and dead by 1552, executed on slung up charges and now no one is in the way daddy dudley is the most powerful dude in the kingdom he is the hand of the king he is running all of it creepy seymour's are out the howards are barely anything at this point and now it is the time for the dudleys to rise again or will they you tell me so welcome to 1553 New year, new problems. Because Eddie's sick, and he's getting sicker by the day. The boy king is not looking too good. His illness is written about in great detail. This is the color of his bile. This is what the lesions on his skin are doing. Maybe it's tuberculosis. No, Nobody's really exactly sure, but beginning the beginning of 1553, he's pretty ill. And word is getting around London. And once it gets to London, it goes right beyond into the countryside that the king's health doesn't really look that good. Is Eddie Six the one who goes catatonic and stuff? No. That is that is that the is that way in the past? At that's this point? Henry the Sixth. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In the past. Okay, so that was that's how the tutors came to the Okay. Sorry. You remember you're all over it. No, I just I, I No, mean, we're a hundred years after that. Yeah, yeah. It's just that last name six just sticks with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie's sick. And the Privy Council is scrambling, right? Like, what the hell do we do now? Like, there's not really anything to do. Technically, Henry VIII has laid forward a pretty straightforward path of what's supposed to happen. Henry was the father, Edward was his son. Eddie got the throne. If Eddie dies, Henry the it's, it's it goes against the natural order of things to do anything besides the device that Henry laid out. Yeah, which is if Edward dies without any male heirs, the rule of the country goes to Princess Mary. Mary dies, goes to Elizabeth. 
little bit of a problem because not only is Mary a girl, she's also a strict Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like 180 degrees Catholic the way that Eddie the Six is 180 degrees from her Protestant. Right. Okay. And the Privy Council is like, yeah, I don't really think that's the way that we want to go because, like, Protestants have had a really good run since, like, 1532. We don't really feel like giving up that power to Mary, who has let us know every single day that every day is Sunday in her world and that she's going to bring back all of Catholicism and wipe away every shred of progress that we have made over the course of these 20 years. We know this to be true, says the Privy Council, because we've caught Mary repeatedly saying Mass in her home where it is disallowed. Eddie the Sixth hates Mary. They fight all the time. Mary's 37 years old, and her little brother, fucking King, is like 14, and he's like, you're out of your mind, Mary. You can't continue to do this. And Mary's like, fuck you, kid. This I'm going to keep saying mass. A daughter of Catherine of Aragon? Correct. Okay. Correct. Edward, Eddie Six, does not want the kingdom to go to Mary. Eddie is like, a woman cannot rule. He is very male-focused. So Eddie the Six is going to get in and write a device for secession that is going to supersede Henry's plans. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Take a breath. I'm going to do a quick family tree as it comes to the succession. Henry VII has three surviving kids. Henry VIII, Margaret, and Mary. Okay. Okay. We got to go back a generation. Okay. Henry VIII has three kids. Mary Elizabeth, Eddie. Margaret Tudor is the oldest daughter of Henry VII. She has a son, James V. James V has a daughter. Scotland? Mm-hmm. Mary, Queen of Scots. The youngest Tudor sister is Mary. Mary Tudor. She's known as the French Queen. We have talked all around her, but let me provide a little bit more detail on Mary. She is the youngest of the surviving children of Henry VII and Elizabeth of York. She is beautiful. Mary is pampered. Mary is essentially sold off at like 14 to the old and about to die French king. And like six months after the wedding, no surprise that he does die. And I'd said Mary fucked him to death. I don't know how true that is. But she did not want to marry the old dude. Doesn't. Is mad about it. And she tells Henry, who is commanding this marriage, I'll do it for you this time. But as soon as he is dead, I'm taking my own husband. Thank you very much. Because the dude that she really, really wants is named Charles Brandon. She is smitten kitten over Charles Brandon. So the French king is dead. Long live the king. This is how Frankie, Frankie I, gets on the throne of France. French king dead. Henry VIII trusts no one more than his very, very best friend in the world, Charles Brandon. So Henry sends Charles Brandon over to fetch Mary, bring Mary back to England so she can be used in the next game of pawn and spawn Mm -hmm. that Henry's going to play with Mary. But Mary's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So on the way back over from France to England, Mary convinces Charles to marry her on the boat back over. Brother be damned. 
There are heavy fines for this transgression against the king, but this is long before his illness and injuries and like the madness. This is like mid 1510s. Henry is still in his youthful bloom and he loves his sister and he loves his best friend. So they pay the fines and pretty much everything's forgiven and things progress merrily. Charles Brandon and Mary, the French queen, have two kids, two daughters, Francis and Eleanor. Francis Brandon gets married to this dude named Henry Gray. They have three daughters, Jane, Catherine, Mary. Charles and Mary's other girl child, Eleanor, has one daughter, Margaret. What I'm trying to tell you is the Tudors have killed off every male claimant to the throne. Eddie is not looking good, and we have eight women. Somehow in the divisive secession, and no man in sight. It's a little bit of a pickle. We've not had a woman rule. This has not happened. We have spent a lot of this series talking about women who've gotten really, really close, Matilda, or ruled as the power behind the throne. But to this point, there has not been a crowned, deigned woman in her own right as ruler. The people have never clamored for a female ruler. It is unheard of. Okay. Eight women. Eddie's sick. What the fuck do we do? So Edward and his will, his device for secession has been written out like during the spring when he's getting kind of sick. And he stipulates that the crown should pass to not Mary, not Elizabeth, but jump over to Francis Brandon's heirs male. Okay. Not Francis Brandon, but offspring she has that are boys. In lieu of that, she doesn't have boys. Yeah. She's not having any more kids. going to say, I didn't hear about any boys there. She has three girls. So the next part of the device for secession says that after Francis Brandon's heirs male, it should go to Lady Jane's heirs male. Not Lady Jane, but her male offspring. Nowhere in this lineup are women. Daddy Dudley, stories about Daddy Dudley, sees his chance. See, remember Robert Dudley fucked everything up in 1551 when he falls in love with Amy Robesart, right? They make this love match, and Robert's not there to pull off this ploy, but Guilford is. So Daddy Dudley is like, I know who would be a great groom for little Lady Jane. My son, Guilford. And uh, they've known each other. They've been schooled together. You know, like, she's in the line of secession. And, like, Dudley has been on a mission to marry off all 13 of his kids during this time. And Jane is actually the second and more important choice. The first choice for little Guilford was Margaret Clifford, the daughter of Eleanor Brandon. And her parents are like, Hey, uh, John Dudley, you're a fucking traitor and you're power hungry and absolutely not. We know, we we smell you coming. We have no interest in handing our daughter over to your asshole little kid and you and your power machinations. But Jane's still around. 
and <laughs> she has always been kind of on the back burner as a potential bride for Eddie the Sixth. Like they've both been raised together. They're cousins. They're both heavily Protestant, the same age, super like-minded. They're good friends. Like Jane's always been around for that, but uh, Betty the Six is dead. Jane's going to need a new husband. All right. Henry Gray is Jane's dad. He's a senior nobleman. And uh, Dudley and Henry Gray kind of start talking. Dudley's like, I have a son. He's 15. And uh, <sighs> I would like Jane and Guilford, like, let's hook those up. And Jane is like, no fucking way. I am not into any of this. I am a Protestant, uptight kid. I like books. I do not. She's 14. She's 15. I don't want to get married. I want my books. I want to write my letters and read my books and play with my ponies and fuck off. I don't, I don't want to do this. And Francis and Henry are shit parents. And they're like, this is happening. And she still refuses. So they beat her to make her submit. Guilford and Jane do marry in the spring of 1553. Edward is super sick by this point. He does not attend the wedding. All of Francis and Henry's gray kids, all three of those girls, Jane, Catherine, and Mary all are shuffled off in horrible matches because of the greediness of their father, Henry Gray, and fucking Daddy Dudley. Okay. So... Jesus. By the end of June, 1553, there is a change made to Eddie's will because Eddie is seriously, seriously sick. And they add two words into the device of secession. And her are the two words. It used to read Lady Jane's heirs male, but now it's Lady Lady Jane Jane and and her heirs male. So a little copy editing fix. You got it. The whole Privy Council signs off on it. It was like June 21st. The Privy Council is like, great. We agree to do this. This is fantastic. We have a Protestant queen. Okay. Well, now we have two issues. <laughs> Again, only women. And religion's a hot issue, right? Henry wanted money and property from the monasteries. Burn them all down, because I need to fuck Anne Boleyn. But his son, Edward VI, has taken the Protestant thing, whoa, next level. He's changed the laws, the customs, the country is reformed in a way that Henry VIII never would have dreamed about touching. Henry was still a practicing Catholic. He just wanted to fuck Annie B. But Edward VI goes a step further. There are no images in the churches anymore. All statues out. This is when um, England goes through this, like, God, the laws are changed. Rosaries are out. The Saying the mass in Latin is out. Like, it is groundbreaking, revolutionary, changing the way religion looks and is presented to the people. And they took down all their statues? Mm-hmm. So they forgot their history immediately? You can't, can't idol worship in Protestantism. But they've... Yeah. Obviously, English history is now forgotten. I'm surprised you were able to dig this up if they got rid of their statues. <laughs> I took the TARDIS. 
I went back to do my re. I told you I've been in 1553 for like three days now. I'm told that without. I just came back this morning. Without statuary, history cannot exist. I've been told that lately. (laughs) Poor England. (laughs) Okay, so Eddie has made some uh, groundbreaking changes. Don't forget, Catherine Parr was his stepmother, too. The most Protestant woman in the country. And before she dies, she's in charge of Eddie's education and Elizabeth. Like, they have the best humanist and Protestant teachers in Europe sitting at the English court. Not only teaching them, but teaching other privileged court kids, too. Jane, all the Dudleys. Like, it's a tight fucking circle. Like, they're all schoolmates. They're all chums. Jane... Oh, God bless Jane. Um, Not only has the influence of Catherine Parr, but she also has the influence of a lot of really strong Tudor women. Mildred Cecil, wife of William. Also, her step-grandmother, Catherine Willoughby. So, Charles Brandon, when Mary the French Queen dies, will take, he's like 50, he takes like a 13-year-old bride named Catherine Willoughby. Jane has had a lot of really good influences, but Jane likes books and she's like fourth in line. No one's looking at her. Mary's 37 and the rightful heir. Then there's a very healthy 19-year-old Elizabeth, but the language has changed and Eddie's device. And now it's Lady Jane Grey, the daughter-in-law of Daddy Dudley, that's going to be named Queen. Privy Council signs off on it. All things are great. Until until Edward actually dies on July the 6th. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. So Mary has been getting word uh-huh. that Eddie's sicker and sicker and mm-hmm. sicker. So Mary's kind of waiting in the wings. She's like, an actual daughter of Henry VIII. Yep. Like, yeah. I would think. Yeah. So she's waiting. She's prepping to ride to London to mm-hmm. assume the throne when her brother dies. Sure. Okay. She's been waiting. Bless Mary has been waiting for this turn of events. I get chills, like, her whole life. She was princess, then she was a royal bastard. Her mother was mistreated. She was mistreated. She has her father's law on her side. It is all gonna go according to my daddy's plan. I may be, you may think I'm illegitimate, but in the bonds of Catholicism, my parents had a rightful marriage. I am the rightful heir. Everybody fucking get ready for Queen Mary. Well, and Queen Mary basically was like, get your bonfires going. We have some Protestants to take care of, right? She, was that her? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's Bloody Mary, but it doesn't, it's, she's not going to turn quite yet. She is still very much, I'm going to be a great queen. I want to bring everybody together. We can all work this out. I'm really happy that eventually we got around to freedom of conscience as a concept. (laughs) Like, you know what? Oh, you're, you're not a Catholic. That's okay. It's okay. All right, but it's Tudor England, 1553, and spies are fucking everywhere. And Dudley is kind of gathering his forces. And Princess Mary is suspicious as fuck already. And a few days before Eddie the Sixth Hard to imagine dies, people yeah. in this milieu would feel suspicion. Like Mary's chilling in East Anglia, okay? <laughs> in her lands in East Anglia. Mm-hmm. And a few days before Eddie dies, Dudley writes to Mary, Hey, pretty Catholic lady, um... Why don't you come on down to court? And uh, Mary is also totally tipped off. And she is like, fuck no. 
And the tip-off is like, Eddie's dying, and the summons to get you to court is a trap. It's a trap. Do not go. There's a plan to capture you. So Mary's like, fuck that. I'm going into hiding. And now we open the timeline of Jane's nine days. That was the backstory in order to understand these pivotal nine days. Okay. Oh, my God. I love this The days of our lives. We were just talking about soap operas yesterday. It begins. a real life one. Wednesday, July 6th, 1553. At 8 p.m. on this evening, Eddie the Sixth is finally dead. How old was he at the time of his death? Like 16. Jeez. So he was born in 1537. And this is 1553, and he hadn't had his birthday yet, 16. Okay. Yeah. And and we don't know what he was ill with? Nobody really knows. Uh, maybe tuberculosis. He was already ill that spring, but I mean, this is my conspiracy thread, is that uh, maybe there are some people who pushed him down the sick path. Like, apothecaries are super helpful with the poisons. Nobody probably will ever know if we get... John Dudley is a bad dude, man. I don't know. King is dead. Long live the Interesting. queen. So maybe he was poisoned? Nobody's ever said that except for me. Okay. Like, the his historical take is tuberculosis. But if you look at his symptoms, because they are just ridiculously written about in great detail... It is a long consumption if it is tuberculosis. Uh, anyway, Eddie's dead. Daddy Dudley says Wednesday, July 6th. He's ready to move. Let's do this. He's got one goal. And that one goal is to get Lady Jane Grey onto the throne before Mary finds out that her brother is dead. <laughs> the palace puts out no announcement that wow. the king is dead. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Wow. Daddy Dudley sends... Did they, did they think they were just going to start like having events and like the queen would be there <laughs> instead of no he's got to secure he's got to get <laughs> shit secure before the announcement's made okay okay, okay. so daddy du- you've never like, this is the best story i've like, ever told dun, 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 it is no it's fucking mission impossible <laughs> so daddy dudley sends robert dudley pony boy out with 300 soldiers to capture mary who is hiding and mary is not a fucking idiot she has spies all over the place. She's Henry VIII's daughter. She knows what's up. Mary gets word that Eddie is dead. And now Mary has got to make some decisions. Good things are happening. The first of many lucky breaks for Mary. This dude named Robert Rains is in the pub when word gets to him that Eddie is dead. Like, it's rumor. It's gossip. The palace has not said anything, but... Yeah, I'm sure... We're- well, and people she's, whisper. She's got to have her own network of spies. This guy or Robert Rains uh, will ride eighty miles overnight to Mary, who is laying low in fucking Norfolk, to warn her they are coming for you. Okay, uh, I feel bad for that horse. Yeah, no kidding. Thursday, July seventh, the king is still dead, and now the new goal on this day is to secure the Tower of London. Up until this point. The court has been with the king at Greenwich. But if there's about to be a coup, you need to have control of the tower. It is essential. If you hold the keys to the tower, you hold the keys to the city of London. You have the power. So the court moves 45 minutes up the Thames from Greenwich to the tower. 
Still no public announcement that the king is dead. But today is Daddy Dudley's day to assemble his forces. Friday, July 8th. Daddy Dudley has now had 36 hours to get his plans in motion. He's getting all of his allies to London. He is going to, Daddy Dudley is going to send the Navy to the east and northeast to protect the coast. He does not want Princess Mary to be able to flee on sea. So he gets the Navy out blocking all the ports to the east and the northeast. So she's not going to France is, is correct. What, that's his dream. Okay. Okay. So the Navy is out there waiting. But to make all of that happen, it is rapid. You think the Trump administration something? No, it is rapid firing and hiring. We need to get our guys who are willing to slide the rules and bend the rules and make this happen because it needs to happen fast. There's no time to delay. (sighs) Daddy Dudley's moving in his people. Things are looking pretty good. He holds the tower. He holds the weapons in the tower. He is pulling his armies into position. The Navy is moving to the coast. His daughter-in-law is queen. His son Guilford is about to be king. And it's all coming true. And won't the Dudley's name be redeemed in the hallowed halls of history? There's one tiny hiccup. Nobody's told Jane that she's the fucking queen. Not a peep. Oh Not my a God. word. Oh no one God. has told Jane that she's the queen, that she could be the queen, that any of this is about to happen. But Daddy Dudley and his crew have spent the last two days getting everything ready for their coup. But nobody bothers to tell Jane. Like, she's not important in any of this. She's our puppet, and we will tell her when she needs to know. Still no public statement from the palace. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Saturday, July 9th. This is technically day one of the reign of Jane. But Jane doesn't know yet. It's time to enact the next phase of Daddy Dudley's plan. Daddy Dudley calls the Privy Council together and is like, hey guys, the order of secession, you know, has changed and I'm going to need you to get on board with Jane, our new queen. And Dudley takes off for his home called Scion. And Jane and Guilford take a really uncomfortable like hour and a half journey down the Thames to Scion, the home of the Dudleys. They are summoned by Daddy Dudley's men to come by force if necessary which is probably a really good way to start out your administration. So Dudley and Jane get to Scion, and they make it down the long gallery to hear from all the head dudes that uh, her cousin and Protestant bestie, Edward VI, is dead. And uh, we have some other news for you, Jane. You're queen. And Jane falls to the ground. This is not for me. It... Yeah. She, no, this yeah. is this is not for me. This is the girl who didn't want to get married. She wanted her books and her letters and her ponies. Yeah, her. like she's crying. She's sad about her cousin best friend dying. But she tells them all, like, Mary is the rightful heir. It isn't me. Like, I, I'm not the one. And they are not going to give her any choice. So she'll kind of rally herself up. She's a Tudor woman. And after all, like... She makes this sort of reluctant acceptance. Well, and the theory behind royalty is that God has ordained you. So at a certain point, like, that's it. If this is what God wants for me, so be it. 
So there's a fancy banquet that night with Jane and Guilford and their allies and supporters. And the Grand Alliance is made and Jane is queen. And we're going to win this and everything is great on that side of England. But there's another <laughs> side of England. Meanwhile. And things are not great on Saturday, July 9th with Princess Mary. She is chilling with her allies in Kennegal and is getting all the news. Fast and furious. Eddie is dead. They're still coming to capture you. And your nitwit Protestant teenage cousin is queen. I don't fucking think so. Yeah. Mary says. Mary's about to fuck some shit up. So she begins to write. Like, she's running out of time. Mm -hmm. She writes to every supporter. Catholic. Friends of her mom. Friends of her dad. Any noble person she can think of who may be able to assist her. I need you to raise forces for me. Mm -hmm. She writes reams of letters, like almost out in templates. Because like a lot of these are collected. So you see like a little blank space for like XYZ area. The form letters. I need your help right. in Middlesex. Right. I need your help in Sussex. Right. Letters are all dispatched out. In, and in midsummer, <laughs> there will be murders. <laughs> uh, Mary is signing all of these. Mary the queen. It's game on. The Catholics had been biding their time for fucking 20 years I'm for sure. this day. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the in-case-of-emergency break glass plan. Do you hear the glass shattering? Okay. <laughs> Sunday, July 10th, day two of the Reign of Jane. Let's take stock. The tower is secure. Four days since Eddie's been dead. Now the Privy Council is like, it's probably time to break the news to the people that the king is dead. Long live Queen Jane. She knows now. It's three days later. So Jane and Guilford get ported back on up the Thames, and her quiet, book-filled life in the Chelsea countryside is over. Jane will not leave the Tower of London again as a free woman. <sighs> in she goes. Jane, Guilford, headed to the Tower, and uh, her mom... Jane's mom, Frances Gray, is holding Jane's train. Let's talk for a second about this because this shocks London. Frances actually has the better claim to the throne than Jane. So mom holding the train of daughter is completely against the natural order of things. Tudors make order out of chaos. No one rebels against the chain. Chain, keep us together. So, as they're riding into London and Jane's mother is in attendance on her, the Tudor people are like, clearly this is Satan breaking open I the was, gates of hell. I was going to say, it yep. sounds like this could never actually be a legitimate monarch of the, of, of the people at this time. Well, Guilford is waiting at the tower, along with all the people in the Privy Council, all the important dudes. And Jane comes in and everyone bends their knee, except for Guilford. He's taking uh, prominence in this moment, physically. Like, he knows, too, that Jane is simply a pawn in his daddy's scheme to get Guilford on the throne. Does she order him beheaded? Because that's the proper thing to do. <laughs> well, she's going to make him mad soon enough, though. You bend the knee... Or you lose your head. This is the Tudor kingdom. <laughs> hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and 
I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Summer reading season is upon us. Have you ever considered how your personal finances would read as a literary genre? Would it be a sweet romance with a happy ending? Or a thriller you could only read during the day? The clever ladies at the Oak Tree Group want to help you write your most compelling financial story. These three holistic planners have 77 years of combined experience helping people navigate all kinds of financial plot twists and turns. They can help you with a wide breadth of financial strategies. Check out their website, www.theoaktreegroup.net, and see the experience and areas of expertise these women bring to the people they serve. The Oak Tree Group is offering our listeners a free one-hour consultation on your financial script. See their website, www.theoaktreegroup.net, for additional contact details. So it wasn't enough to see Francis in attendance on Jane. That definitely goes against the natural order of things. Also, Guilford does not bend his knee. This makes people really nervous. Like the procession down the Thames was one thing, but Jane is now occupying the tower and this supposed new king is the son of a son of a fucking traitor and clearly Satan is fucking with all of us. We do not approve of this Guilford kid at all. And we can't approve of Jane without approving of him. Like the Dudleys and the Greys are presenting a unified front. And there's this like fragile social alliance that ties the common people to the royals. 
but if it frays just the weest of bits, to give him a title is one thing, but to give Guilford a crown? Like, to a Dudley? People are like, nope, nope, nopity. Like, you get why Elizabeth's court in a few years is so vehement against Robert Dudley because of what happens here. Like, it's five to seven years past all this time when he's ponyboying around at her court. The, The Dudleys are fucking dirt, man. They're dirt. So, Daddy Dudley, like, essentially has already been king for years anyway, and he wants to hand it to his son and his grandchildren. And the people are like, no, this will not stand. You shall not pass. People are really nervous about it. They've seen enormous upheaval through the reign of Henry VIII. And, like, did you check out the 1540s? Like, what the fuck is next? They've seen Cromwell rise and fall. They've seen so many people rise and fall. No one is beyond thinking that Daddy Dudley's pulling a coup. And nobody likes him. Remember, he put down that rebellion in 1549. He has enemies everywhere. It is only his power stance that lets him hold on to the power. Every Nobody likes him. Okay. This is still Sunday. Daddy Dudley calls the Privy Council together. And this is actually kind of a cool fact. For the first time in history, the proclamation of a ruler, Jane the Queen, is made via the printing press. It is not handwritten. Hmm. Thanks, Gutenberg. Good stuff. But maybe not. Because here's what happens. That printed announcement is long. It's really, really long. It's like three pages long. And it's fucking complicated. So it begins talking about Henry VIII's will... And then talks about the line of legitimacy and illegitimacy and then the whole device for Eddie's secession. And that Jane, a tiny young girl who no one has ever heard of, is your queen, doesn't get around to getting announced until like page three of the document. So the lead is buried. And people are fucking bored and drunk by the time the town crier gets to the end of all this nonsense. Like, who do who? Is that Jane? What? We've been drinking at the pub. It's taken us two hours. You've been reading for two fucking hours. Who the fuck is Jane? Okay. People have no idea what they've just heard. It is not a successful announcement. But no one's revolting. Like, this is so against the natural order. Because everybody knows if Eddie dies, Princess Mary is queen. Like, it is. Right. The most assumed natural thing in the world. Who the fuck is Jane? Yeah. Okay. We all knew it was going to happen. We beheaded Anne Boleyn over this. Remember Catherine of Aragon? Remember her? Like, there are all these feelings of nostalgia, right? That brought them to this point. And of course, Mary is queen. And who the fuck is this Jane person? One brave person does speak out and gets his ears and his tongue cut off. Yeah. Everybody's quiet. But nobody's cool. I think by brave you mean foolish, but sure. Okay. Big day, Sunday the 10th. A dispatch arrives at the tower from Mary to the Privy Council. Monday the 10th? Sunday the 10th. I thought we'd been on Sunday. We are still on Sunday. Oh. This is, Sunday's a big day. Okay. So I'm telling you, big day, Sunday the 10th. A dispatch is going to arrive at the tower from Mary to the Privy Council. Essentially, this dispatch is like, hey, um... Y'all need to be loyal to me, and I will pardon you now if you are. And if you're not, 
well, I'm going to kill you when I take over. And you can have a pardon now or a civil war. If you go one way, I will have your titles, your lands, your cash, and your heads on a spike. But totally going to let y'all decide that. Let me know. Mary is rising to the occasion. She is not the daughter of a legacy of, like, queens and kings for fucking nothing. Mary's playing to win. But Mary's talking a lot of game at this point. She has not much to back it up. Like, nobody anticipates Mary actually succeeding in this, least of all the Privy Council. But her attitude is fleek, fleck, I don't know, on point. Her attitude is fierce. Okay. Okay. So the Privy Council and Dudley are like, okay, let's write Mary back. We're going to write Mary back and tell her that Jane is queen and we're right and you're wrong and we're going to resist you anyway. Oh, also, you're Henry VIII's bastard daughter. And uh, we're going to get Jane to sign it. Jane doesn't write this, but she will sign it, Jane the Queen. And this is uh, one of the first of the letters which will be used against her in her trial when it all goes to shit. Okay. Monday, July 11th. We finally left Sunday. Monday, July 11th. Day three, Raina Jane. Now, we're making ready. Mary knows. We've communicated Dudley needs an army. So Dudley is actually recruiting in the streets of London, paying twice the daily wage that is normal to raise forces for himself to go against Mary. There's not a standing army. The people are your army. And the double rate of pay is so super unusual at the time that it is actually noted in the news of the day. Like it is, what? You're paying us double to do this? This maybe should have been a clue to Dudley, but the people are not on board. And he's going to rustle up an army-ish through paying them very well. But on the flip side, Mary is assembling forces too. Spies are everywhere. Jane's the queen. Jane is in the tower. And uh, maybe growing a little bit more in her confidence. She's been queen, you know, for a few days now. Days and days now. Mm -hmm. Hours upon hours. She is walking in the room with all of the strong women behind her that she has known. And she is accepting of what is happening. And she is alone with Guilford when the crown is brought to her to try on. And when it's brought to her, it's mentioned that a new one will be made for her husband. And she's like, whatever for? He's not going to be king. If he's lucky, I'll make him a duke, but he's never going to be king. And Guilford's like, uh, hmm, hey, it's my penis <laughs> that's important to your secession. So if you don't make me king, I'm never going to uh, have sex with you again. And Jane's like, awesome. I like my books better anyway. I'm not going to be controlled by you. This Guilford will never be king is big news to Guilford. And of course, he runs to, to Daddy, Daddy Dudley. Dudley mm-hmm. yeah. So now there's a whole new tension brewing in the tower. Jane is in and her rule, whatever it may be called, starts here. Like she is taking charge and the tables are turning in this whole story in ways that no one expects. Privy Council, Dudley, maybe getting a little nervous. Like maybe Jane is not going to go as quietly as we thought she would. Tuesday, July 12th, day four, Raina Jane. 
Let's take stocks. Things are about to start moving pretty fast. Jane is the queen. She holds the tower. Mary's in Norfolk. No one thinks Mary has a chance, although she's talking a lot of smack. Mary does today have one good thing going. Because remember all those letters Mary wrote a few days ago? Now she's getting responses back. All of her friends, major landowners in East Anglia, friends, tenants, Catholics, are like, hey, we're your army, Mary, and it's a little bit ragtag, but they've got 600 people. They have a marching army of 600 people strong that is headed to Framlingham, which is Mary's castle. They are wearing everything they own on their backs, but they are ready to fight for the natural order of things. Mary is planning on leading her rebellion from her home, Framlingham. Working from home. Yeah, We're for super it. convenient. We're for it. Well, it's in East Sussex. The people like her, Framlingham is a super stronghold. It's got good fortification. It's a good place to defend yourself and wage a war from, right? It's formidable. Dudley is in London readying his army. He is confident in this mission that he has, and he is going to take down Mary. He's been waiting for this for so long. He thinks it's going to be easy. Nobody expects Mary to actually rise up a rebellion, but Dudley has maybe underestimated the people. So Jane's father, Henry Gray, has been put in charge of the rebellion to lead the uh, to lead the troops to go defeat Mary. Oh God, Henry Gray is such a shit. Henry VIII, who was in his day a very good judge of character, never made Henry Gray a member of the Order of the Garter. Henry Gray is not a fighter. He's never been in battle. He's prone to fainting fits. He is not smart and like just likes the shit that comes from being a royal married to someone royal. Like, he's never had to work for anything. Everything comes to him. He is not the dude to lead in battle. And uh, Jane is like, uh, my dad is not going to be able to lead this battle. Dudley, I want you to go instead. Which takes Dudley out of London. It's bad. London is his base of power. And everybody fears him in London, and because of that fear in the base of power, it's holding everything in place. But to be fair, Daddy Dudley is going to do a damn sight better in battle than Jane's dad, who's kind of a mean loser. Dudley has his orders from the Queen, and this is going to leave administrators in London... Not like skilled politician, but a bunch of old dudes who sign papers and tut, tut, tut. Technocrats, yeah. Yeah. Like, the best guys are not remaining. Functionaries, yeah, not leaders. Okay. Okay. Dudley's not, Dudley is not worried. Mary's. Oh, sorry. Civil servants, I believe we call them. Yeah. The deep state, if you will. I'm sorry. This story is so long, but it's very, like. very long. (laughs) It's good, though. Dudley's not worried. Mary's weak. She's never going to pull it off. He has Robert, his son, marching ahead. He has troops assembled. They hold the tower. Jane's on the throne. We got this. And Dudley's plan is to head up from London and go to the west of Mary, right? Because, and then close in on her marching east. Because remember, the Navy is waiting off the coast. So this is essentially entrapping her. It is, you have nowhere to escape to. We're coming at you from the side and coming over. 
She can't flee to the sea. We're going to have to get her eventually, no matter how many priest holes you have. Dudley's forces, armed, ready. They have a thousand ways they can kill you before Sunday at breakfast. The poleaxe, which is this cool multi-tool weapon. Glaives, which will fuck you up. Dude, tutor weaponry is nasty. So Dudley's prepping, getting everything ready. So as we close on Tuesday, July 12th, Mary has moved from her hidey hole to Framlingham. And Mary is arriving at her stronghold. What does Mary see? Thousands of common folks in her deer park, cheering for her, waiting to greet her, ready to defend her claim to the throne to die for her if necessary. This takes Mary by surprise. Like, she knew there were, you know, 600 people marching. Like, it's going to take them a while to get me. But she goes, and there are thousands of people there to support her. So this day for Mary just turned out pretty good. Pretty good day. Better than it started. Okay. Wednesday, July 13th, day five of the Reign of Jane. Dudley rides out of London. He's feeling pretty good. He has an army with weapons and experience. They number like 3,000. 2,000 of them are cal- cavalry. Cavalry. It's tricky pronunciation. One's God, one's horses. I don't know. Uh, yeah, cavalry is God. Cavalry is horses. There you go. Cavalry. If you've got 2,000 mounted cav, you're in fucking great shape in Dude, Tudor times. Heavily armed, ready mm-hmm. to fight. There's another thousand in the artillery. He's got 30 cannons. Wow. Right? We got this. So Dudley's going to go to the Privy Council one last time, and he reminds all of them, y'all, you took an oath of allegiance. Jane is in power because of us. You need to protect her. Do not fuck me over. Y'all are just as complicit as I am in this whole thing, and you signed your names to this too, and the plan has to remain. Dudley rides out. And maybe Dudley again should have, you know, licked his finger and held it to the wind because crowds are gathered thousands and thousands and thousands on the streets of London to watch Dudley ride out. But normally when you're riding off to battle, there's cheering and loud and people are, go kill him with your poleaxe. The streets are dead quiet. There's nothing. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a great sign. No cheering. Just quiet. And Dudley is riding to East Anglia, where they hate him. Oh, right. Where he put And have been waiting for down. revenge from the 1549 Ketz Rebellion, right? Most of the people hate him, too, but off Dudley goes. And the nobles notice this. Like, where gets around that uh, nobody knows who Jane is, and people are really going for Mary, and... This is making us a little uncomfortable. Yeah. We're a little uneasy. Did he argue that he had the bigliest crowds in the history of crowds? Probably. Okay. Probably. So, oh my God, this is so fun. Okay, there's this dude named Thomas Cornwallis. He's the sheriff of Norfolk and Suffolk, and he is backing Jane. And his power base is in one of Mary's strongholds, Ipswich. And the town crier goes with the printed thing and does the three pages of nonsense. And uh, (laughs) 
Cornwallis is like, yay, Jane's the queen. And the people in Ipswich are like, nah, dude, Mary's the queen. Mary's the queen. And uh, Cornwallis, like, physical fights, like, gets into fights with the people in Ipswich. And, like, Cornwallis is thinking, maybe I'm not going to get back to my home safely. Like, something's happening here with the general support. No, I know what question you're going to – don't put your phone down. Yes, Thomas Cornwallis is the forebearer of Cornwallis who won General many a British victory in the American Revolution. Uh-huh. American Revolution Cornwallis is, I counted, I think, six generations down from Sir Thomas. Gotcha. But Sir Thomas Cornwallis has a son, William, who begat and begat. And then there is the British General Cornwallis six generations later. I digress. Okay. I was already on it. Dude, I got you got you i've been in lineage charts for days okay so thomas cornwallis sheriff of ipswich sheriff of norfolk and suffolk sorry yeah he's just chilling in ipswich that day (laughs) thomas is cornwallis is like oh maybe i need to go to mary maybe i need to go talk to her and let her know like fuck i was wrong like of course mary's queen so Thomas Cornwallis heads to Framlingham, begs for Mary's forgiveness. Local enemies are coming to Mary. Um, like people who did declare for Jane, but now they're coming to Mary like we are so sorry. And nobles are under fucking pressure because the common people, the people in the realm want Mary. And the nobles get their power because the tenants fight for the nobles and the tenants are like, we're not fighting for Jane. Sure. We're fighting for Mary. Again, like legitimacy in a serfdom. I mean, if the people stop working, done. It's finished. Yeah. No, this, is, this whole story is the power of the fucking people. Mm-hmm. You rise up, take the table off your back. Because the nobles are like, shit, you're here. Like, we command you what to do to fight our battles, but you don't want to fight this one. It's totally undercutting the power dynamic in place of yeah. noble and landed gentry. Okay. The. Earl of Oxford is even summoned to support Jane. And all of his men are like, uh, you can have us or you can have Jane. You decide. And Earl of Oxford is like, no, Mary, you're the one. Like Jane is the wrong woman on the throne. And now the political elite in the country are forced to make moves that they normally wouldn't. Mary is power, daughter of Henry VIII. Jane is young and unknown and hiding in the tower. And who the fuck is this girl? So the tables are turning again. Nope. No, no. Dudley is not counting on the people supporting Mary. So basically, so Dudley is like marching. I mean, I assume that yeah. takes a day or so. Yep. And meanwhile, like basically public opinion is um, coalescing in a way that he has maybe no knowledge of no as knowledge. he's marching. That's a, okay, That's exactly right. So Thursday, July 14th, day six of the reign of Jane, Dudley is on progress. Jane is in charge. And like Jane doesn't know what to do with herself. Like people today are just moving around on the chessboard. People are coming to Mary's side. Dudley's marching. But Jane in the tower this day, for some reason, asks for an account of a full stock and inventory of the royal wardrobe, which is kind of like a commissary for all royal clothing and household needs stockings buttons um not the crown jewels but anything else that you would need to outfit yourself um 
Maybe she's looking to do a little power dressing and get out of her Puritan clothing. I don't know. It's just a weird thing that wraps this day up that's mentioned. Like, Jane honestly doesn't know what to do with herself. She's like, well, go make an inventory of that. Okay. Friday. Oh, my God. July 15th. This is day seven of the reign of Jane. So Dudley, on his way to Cambridge. He's going to pause here and wait for his cavalry and artillery to catch up. The plan is still to box Mary in, and nothing's going to stop his stride. Mary is in the process of pulling her troops together, and Dudley's surrounding Mary. Like, there's no reason for Dudley to have any concern at this point in time that England is his for the taking. He has Jane. He has an army. He has the tower. He has, like, everything is going for Dudley. Just a few more days, we wrap this nonsense up. I'm the new, my son, I, my son, am the new king of England. Okay. So this day, Dudley's cooling his jets, waiting for the cavalry and the artillery to catch up. But the tables are going to turn one more fucking time today. You're not even ready for this. In an extraordinary break for Mary. Oh, that pesky English summertime weather. There are heavy rains. And heavy winds. And the Navy that's been chilling on the coast has to bring it on back into port. So the Navy is taking refuge in harbors and anchors and ports to kind of wait out the storm like you do. And fuck, it's raining. We might as well drink. So they do. And (laughs) they end up in the pubs bringing back Mary's supporters to the boats and getting talked into defecting to Mary's side because everybody hates Dudley and Mary's the rightful queen. And Dudley has fucked with them on their payment conditions anyway. So what better way to stick it to fucking Dudley? So in a remarkable turn of events, Mary now has the Navy that was originally there to blockade her fighting for her. Now she's got fighters, boats, munitions, guns, and fucking cannons at her disposal. The Navy takes the cannons off the ship and begins hauling them across the country to Framlingham. And these total cannons and number off whatever 15 fucking Navy warships blow Dudley's cannon forces out of the water. Also, the trained gunners and all the ammunition are going with them. Saturday, July 16th, day 8, Raina Jane. Word gets to the Privy Council that the Navy has pulled a runner. <laughs> and uh, the Privy Council is like, oh, fuck. This is our punishment for denying Mary the throne. And other regions are going all in for Mary now, too. Like, we're getting news. Support is spreading for her. And London is preparing for attack. And the nobles and the Privy Council backing Jane are getting mighty nervous. And now are beginning to understand that it is treason if Mary manages to pull this off on them. Yeah, no, they're in real trouble here. They're in real trouble. And uh, Jane (laughs) will lock the Privy Council into the tower. The ones who haven't already taken off and fled... She locks the rest of them in and holds the keys. Not a good look. Uh, the council who has left, uh, busy writing letters and making a cover story. Dudley 
still sitting in fucking Cambridge, is joined by his sons and their troops. Again, waiting for the cavalry and the artillery and the cannons, because they're all slower. Waiting for them to show up so he can finally get the show on the road. But with Dudley's sons and some reinforcements, this fresh group comes up with some news that, uh, hey, uh, Dad, your forces are outnumbered three to one by Mary's forces in Framlingham, and uh, you're outgunned and outmanned. Sunday, July 17th. Finally, Dudley's artillery arrives. Everybody gets ready to move. And Dudley's still like, I have a chance. But Dudley doesn't know that the Navy's pulled a fucking runner yet and is bringing cannons to the party, too. Dudley takes off having no idea what he is racing towards. Uh, Oh, my God. Forces are gathering. Did he lead his men straight into a massacre? Almost. Almost. Monday, July 18th, the final day of the reign of Jane, Dudley begins to position his men out, and they're on the move due east. And in London, the Privy Council, again, getting news from everywhere that it's all fucking falling apart. Also, a little fun fact, Edmund Peckham, who was the treasurer of the Mint at the time, is missing. No one's seen Peckham for days, and no one knows where he is. But when they do find him, it turns out he has raised 10,000 men to fight for Mary on behalf of the city of London. And they're about to bust in on Jane in the tower and take the city over for Mary. Hmm. Jane, frantically writing for assistance. I need anyone who can help me here. This is all too little too late. As Dudley is about to lead his men into a massacre, he gets a message as he's making his final approach. Like, do not do this. You're outnumbered. Then you thought it was bad before, but oh, guess what? The Navy's pulled a runner. And they have more cannons waiting for you. Like, don't do this. So Dudley withdraws back to Cambridge. And he's going to wait out the Privy Council to put down the rebellion in London. But Dudley didn't get the news that there are 10,000 forces headed by Edward Peck, like Peckham, that, oh, it's all bad. Okay. Jane has this other uncle, the Earl of Arundel. And... Oh, God. He is married to one of the Greys. It's fine. Whatever. But uh, he was the last protector. Like, when Dudley left, he was like, listen, Earl of Arundel, you need to take care of Jane. You are her. You're the final defense. Arundel's out. Like, and once he goes, the rest of the Privy Council drops like flies. Jane is abandoned, alone. This will be her last day as queen. She's out. Tuesday. July 19th. Only Jane's family and her husband remain in the tower with her. The rest of the Privy Council is meeting to make up their cover story, which essentially is, Dudley is so powerful and he hoodwinked us all and he has no morals or scruples and we're all very remorseful. And of course, Mary is our rightful queen and that Dudley is a rat and he only wanted to rule anyway. I feel like this is the moment where Jane would be like, hey, uh, Guilford, is that the guy's name? Mm-hmm. Hey, Guilford, let's make you king. <laughs> well, the Privy Council has totally put her into power. Someone here is going to lose a head, and how about it to you? No, they both do. They both do. It's, <laughs> it's bad. I mean, not fair. Not fair. It's unfortunate. This is a great story. It's unfortunate for, for 
Lady Jane Grey, of course. Who got, it is a tra- it is tragic. It is a tragic story. Someone played the Game of Thrones with her. She was not actually she playing did not, it. Yeah, she did not ask to roll the dice on that Jumanji mm, board. Yeah. She's like, I didn't even know that we were playing this game. Yep. All right, so the Privy Council has totally put Jane in power. They knew the whole time exactly what they were doing. But now they're abandoning Jane. And Uncle Arendelle and a few of them will head to Framlingham to Mary to beg forgiveness. The rest of the Privy Council head over to Cheapside to tell the people, ha ha, just kidding. Just kidding. Mary's queen. And there's jubilation in the streets and wine and singing and dancing. And the natural order has been restored. And if history is written by the winners, the Privy Council made the right call at the right time at this point. Well. There's a... I mean, they get out alive. Okay. I'm surprised to hear that, but okay. Somebody, though, probably needs to tell Jane that she's not queen because Jane is always the last to know about everything. So the Privy Council will send a force to tell her father, Henry Gray. And when he hears the news, he is like, I am only one man. Like, he knows he's power. Like, it's done. He can't do a damn thing about it. So Daddy Gray goes to tell Jane the news, and he will take the cloth of state from over her head, lets her know that Mary has been proclaimed queen, and Jane is like, fuck yeah, I am so done with this cosplay, when can I go back home to my books? Oh. Like, she never wanted to be there in the first place, and she would like to get back to her real life, thank you very much. Yeah, this has been such a crazy week. That's not going to happen ever again for Jane. She is arrested. She is stripped of all of her valuables. She is taken out of the royal apartments at the tower and moved into a small home on the tower green that belongs to the head jailer. And she is now Lady Jane Dudley again. And the clock is ticking on her life. She just doesn't know it yet. She is the arrested wife of a commoner charged with treason. Guilford is taken prisoner as well. Her dad as well. They are not locked up with Jane. They're locked up in Beecham Tower. Is Beecham Tower the one that has all the scratches and uh-huh. all? Okay, yeah, we, we we're gonna talk about it. And just to, yeah. yeah, wow. And I touched the thing, and like I had the moment, and you were like, "What the hell?" I touched the thing that we're gonna talk about in this story when I had the moment. Okay, so Dudley gets the news, and now Dudley's at a crisis point. The plan is done, and it is his head on a spike. And Dudley is the son of a son of a traitor, and again, everything he has worked for is gone. Everything he's done for himself and his kids, it's all over now, baby blue. This is technically the end of Jane's nine days here, but what happens to our little cast of characters? Because that wouldn't be me if I didn't wrap it up. Wednesday, July 20th. Old Uncle Arundel <clears throat> arrives to claim his allegiance to Mary, and he and all of his buddies get to Mary, and they kneel on the ground with their swords, like, pointed into their stomachs, like, we were bad, Mary, and we know we need to die, and we know we don't deserve, it's all very dramatic, and Mary, like, needs allies, she needs every ally she can get, so Mary at this time is magnanimous, she forgives them, but hey, uh, Uncle Arendelle, I need you to do a little something for me, which is to ride out to Cambridge and arrest Daddy fucking Dudley and every other Dudley you can find. Get them all. I don't know if this is a reward or a punishment. 
I'll let you decide, but off Uncle Arundel goes to bring Dudley back to the tower by July 25th. As Dudley is brought back into London, he is pelted with stones and sticks. There is a mob waiting for him in London to declare him the worst traitor that's ever traded. August 3rd. Mary has made it down to London. She takes control of the tower. The crowds line the street. She is regal. Her horse is regal. It's a hell of a procession. The people are rejoicing. Princess Mary's coming home. It's all great. But what do we do with Jane? Because Mary doesn't want to piss everyone off quite yet. And this is her cousin. It's her cousin Jane. And she's a wee thing. Like Mary doesn't agree with her on her religion. But she's family. And I don't want to kill her. Although everyone else in England is lusting for Jane's head on a spike. So... Mary's like, I'm not queen for nothing. Like, maybe I can reform her to Catholicism, which is never going to happen. But Mary's still playing nice. Jane is locked up with the jailer. The rest of the Dudleys are locked up in Beecham Tower. And John Dudley, not Daddy Dudley, John Jr., will carve on the wall, uh... This uh, relief that represents all four Dudley brothers um, in flower form. Guilford is gilly flowers and Robert is roses or like it. They were in there a long time. Yeah, this if you've never been to the Tower of London, this this is the actual like this is the part that looks most like it's been used as a jail forever. Oh, yeah. There are, like, dates of, like, not not dates, but, like, there are hash marks on the floor where someone, literally, in the stone floor has been counting the date. I mean, this is, th- this is a place of despair. <laughs> if you want a fun little trip down, uh, trip down some interesting visuals, look up carvings in the Tower of London. They really are mm-hmm. quite remarkable. The carvings in the Tower of London really are something to see. I cried when I saw that one because, like, I love this story so much. All right. Daddy Dudley is going to be tried August 18th. No surprise to anyone. The outcome is he is guilty as fuck. At this time, Daddy Dudley, maybe thinking it would save him, will renounce all of his Protestant stuff. And will accept Catholicism again. These people really are super weak, aren't they? Yeah. Well, because Mary's so Catholic that I think Daddy Dudley's like, oh, if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and go back to the Catholicism, no, I, maybe I, Mary will think I'm redeemable. I get what he's doing. I'm just saying these people are transparent and weak. Well, his end is a public execution on Tower Hill, which happens August 22nd. His ploy does not work. Daddy Dudley out. All of the Dudleys are out. No Dudley fucking survives this except for Robert, pony boy, who's only saved by the intervention of Lady Amy's love and her family's influence on Mary. Um, Mary Sidney, I think also Dudley's sister. Gets out of this alive. She's not really slung up in it. But, I mean, this pretty much wipes the Dudleys. I mean, usurping the throne is a a pretty big deal. Rulers don't tend to like it. So remember Frances Gray, Jane's mom? Frances Gray and Mary are friends. And she will go to Queen Mary and beg her to let her husband off. 
the hook, Henry Gray, who's still slung up in the tower. And Francis Gray is using the same kind of excuses that the Privy Council did. We were victims of Northumberland, and my husband was poisoned by his hate and ambition. And Queen Mary's like, yeah, it sounds about right. Like, I hate Dudley, too. Like, we'll just pin it on him. He's the sole architect of all of this plan. Jane's dad is pardoned. If you can imagine. By August 29th, there's a dinner party in the tower that Jane attends. And a lot of other people are there too. And Jane at this party will denounce Dudley and say, he is the source of all my family troubles. Jane is going to remain in the home of Nate Partridge. That's the jailer. And Queen Mary, again, doesn't want to kill Jane. She's my wee cousin. But everyone else is like, Jane needs to die. So it's a little tricky. Mary's like, I guess we have to do something. So November 13th, Jane will leave the tower for the first time since she arrived back all those days ago. This is, I'm surprised that she's still kicking it in November. Like, seriously She's still kicking it in November. Mary doesn't want to kill her. Right. But Jane leaves the tower and she will walk. She could have gone there on boat. There are a million ways to get there, but this is like a morality play. Jane is made to walk one mile to the guild hall for her trial in this shame, shame, shame thing on the streets that her trial is happening for treason. It's just sucky, this morality play that she has to go to. Guilford is on trial as well. The trial opens with a mass, so that's awesome. Jane, super into that. She's dressed in black, and she pleads guilty. Yeah, I signed Jane the Queen. My dad told me to, you know. Jane is condemned to death by burning or execution. Found guilty. The queen, at her pleasure, can choose how Jane is going to go. Guilford is declared guilty as well. But his sentence is hung, drawn, and quartered. So a little bit different. But Mary, even though this comes out, like this decision's made in November, Mary doesn't sign right away. Mary's still holding out hope for Jane. Like, she wanting to make friends. She doesn't want to make enemies. But, like, Jane is not afraid. She is writing letters. She, oh, my God, Jane writes a letter to one of her former tutors who is gone back to the Catholicism. And she's just chiding him. Like, it is child to adult, student to teacher. Like, Jane is growing more committed to the fact that it's fine. I'll, I'll die for my faith. It's cool. Like, Jane is not slowing down her fervor for her devotion to religious causes. 1554, new year, new problems. Mary actually has completely undone all of Eddie's religion Protestant stuff. Undone it all. Catholic is the new old thing in England again. And along with the new year, Mary has also decided that she's going to marry her cousin, Philip of Spain. And uh, he's a Catholic and foreigner. And people are like, hold up. We fought for you to get on the throne and you're going to sell us down the river to a Spaniard? Like, at least Guilford was English. We weren't going to make him king and he was even English. You're going to marry a Spaniard? A Catholic Spaniard and put him to be the queen? the, The king? Oh, England. Yikes on spikes. Okay. 
Nobody likes this plan for Mary. But in 1554, what's England without a rebellion? This one is named for its leader, Thomas Wyatt. This is Wyatt's rebellion. Thomas Wyatt has 4,000 men marching on London to make none of Mary's marriage dreams come true. He's captured. So are all of his men. Everybody's tried. Everybody's guilty. There are mass executions. It's terrible. But here's the bad part. Henry Gray, Jane's dad, is totally in the middle of it all. He's a key player in Wyatt's Rebellion, and Queen Mary is not going to pardon him again. Jane, whether she is guilty or not, is implicated in this whole thing. And uh, Mary signs the papers to kill them all. Guilford is hung, drawn, and quartered on Tower Hill. But Jane, Lady Jane is one of the five women executed inside on the Tower Green. She shares this honor with Anne Boleyn, Catherine Howard, Jane Boleyn, and Margaret Pohl, Countess of Salisbury, which I think we talked about in all those episodes. There's only There's been five executions of women on the Tower Green. This is... Lady Jane Grey is the last one. Right. Margaret Pohl was the 70-something-year-old sister of Henry VIII. Is that... Aunt... Aunt, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about Margaret mm-hmm. Pohl. I should have mentioned that in the beginning, but it has very, it's just uh, the yeah, it's execution just... part. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact. From 1483 to 1941, only 22 executions are held inside on the Tower Green. Like, Tower Hill is where you go to die. It is rare. At, what, 500, 600 years and only 22 executions inside on the Tower Green. It is... An honor to be killed there, I suppose. Three queens among them. Jane is brought out to die. And there there she sees the dead carcass of her husband. Because they've mm-hmm. drawn and quartered him and put him there just for her to watch. Jane will take death very bravely. She gets to... Uh, make a statement and she will recite Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And before you know it, there is a blindfold and an axe and Jane, the former queen, is dead. February 12th. 1554, one day after the anniversary of the death of Queen Catherine Howard that takes place 12 years before, on February 13th. Jane will become a Protestant martyr and a heroine for the people. Each story, of course, is more dramatic in each retelling. Jane's book of prayers are in the British Library, and in her book of prayers, she has all kinds of notes written to all kinds of people, still defending her position on faith to the end. These uh, notes written in her book of prayers are composed. She is in control. Lady Jane. Nine-day reign. Her cousin Mary will go on to rule for five years. Her other cousin Elizabeth will rule uh, 45 years. And that is as far as women will get for the next few centuries because men are going to take back over with James VI of Scotland, which is James I of England, the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. And maybe from this, men learned a little something. 
no puppets for girls in this story. Women can claim power in their own right. Maybe the people will go with long. You need the people to do it. You need the people to go along with it. And Mary had it. So there is your how Mary ascended to the throne of England and the story of Lady Jane Grey and the downfall of John Dudley. There's so much in that story. I hope y'all enjoyed that. I know it was super long. But you can't you can't cut any part out because you need all the it's a it's a chessboard. You need all the threads to make that tapestry sing. I love it. All right, I gotta go to the bathroom. I have to eat or I'll die. Mm-hmm. Thanks everybody for tuning Thanks. in. That was fascinating. Keep it so trashy. Keep it tutor. Keep it trashy. Clean hands. Trashy, trashy tutor hearts. Stay safe. It's genuinely dangerous out there. Y'all are the best. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all